This is Free Talk Live. Take control of the airways. Call in and tell us whatever's on your mind. That number's 855-450-3733. 855-450-FREE, as in Free Talk Live. With you tonight, it's Aria. Melanie. And Mark. And you brought in a story about Gors... Is it Gorsuck or Gorsuch? <laughs> I pronounce it Gorsuch. But, but he uh, does suck. So. Uh, well, you... Uh, I aren't a big fan generally of these people, so I wouldn't imagine that there's too many people on the Supreme Court that you like. Fair point. Um, I think that Gorsuch is probably uh, the lesser of evils on the Supreme Court. And Really? I do. I don't know that much about him or his policies. I did. You know, I learned what everybody was talking about when he was first proposed as a Supreme Court justice, but that was... Two years ago, it's all out of my head by this point. I remember he was characterized as a constructionist. Yeah. Is that it? And, and I like that. I, I would prefer that over a revisionist or a whatever they're called. Yeah, the rest well, of Well, it depends them. on what you want to revise it to. It like, depends on what? It depends on what you want to revise it to. That's that's kind of a relative statement. And I mean, re- like a literally relative statement the Constitution doesn't really say much about what you can and can't do. So if you're revising it to things I like, then cool. If you're revising it to things I don't like, I don't put a lot of stock in the Constitution, so I don't care if you're following the Constitution. Well, the Constitution should, um, according to what it says, basically limit the federal powers to those that are um, you know, mentioned specifically, enumerated in the Constitution, and ones that aren't, aren't. Right, they're and reserved to the states or to the people. I think that it takes, uh, for one, the federal government has this little trick where it's like, well, we're going to do something, and then if the states want this funding that we're offering, then they can participate. So it's voluntary. <laughs> I mean, and that's not prohibited by the Constitution. It's not. So, I mean, there's nothing in the Constitution that says that the federal government can't do business with the states. That's right. So all that, all those high laws that get in through highway funding are perfectly constitutional. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, there was something in the Constitution about direct and unapportioned taxes, which is how the federal government acquires this money to use to sort of bend the states to their will in the first place. Well, they... um, Well, until they amended it. Right, they the amended the 16th amendment, amendment for income tax, whether whatever you might believe on how legal that was. Yeah. But there's all kinds of uh, <laughs> stories. It's just as on. legal as any other amendment. Well, well, it's legal because they said it was, and they're the ones with the guns. Well, that, yeah, that's how laws work. Yeah. yeah, That's what a law is. You have enough guns, and you say to do something, it's a law now. But everything else is illegal, apparently, according to Gorsuch, or at least we're all criminals, it would seem. Right, and this is, I, I think, a very relevant point. For those that like the idea of a nation of laws, and I like the idea of a nation of laws. I I was sold on that in my youth. Yeah, that sounds good. But you really, there's a point when it goes too far. And if that point is, you know, like everybody's guilty of something, then you don't have a nation of laws anymore. You just have a nation of serfs. If you're not committing a federal crime, like I would say, probably hopefully once a week, then your house is really dirty and you should start committing federal crimes again, at least can, those ones. Can you explain that? Okay, so 
You know those labels on cleaning supplies that say it is a federal offense to use this in contradiction of the instructions? I have never read one of those. I'm a really boring person <laughs> and I read labels. Um, I read the backs of cereal boxes. Not so much boxes. anymore because I have stuff to do, but like when I was a kid, I would just read everything that was there. So that's for real. It's not necessarily for real on everything they slap it on, but anything that is disinfectants or antimicrobial, that's for real. But it's I mean, how, ADA- are you, how are people using these in a way that's counterindicated? I mean, so Nobody. unless you stand there and you're like, okay, I'm going to measure however many inches when I spray this Lysol and I'm going to open all the windows in my house and I'm going to measure bleach before I pour it in the washing machine. Like there's a really detailed, obnoxious instructions on cleaning supplies. Wow. There you go. You're a fe- you're a fe- it's a federal crime. <laughs> Always good to and be confessing some, to and, our criminality. And the defense that I typically get from people is, well, I have somebody else do it. Well, congratulations. Now you're guilty of conspiracy to clean your house. <laughs> In a recent descending opinion, Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch warns of the dangers of the modern expansion of criminal law to the point where, in quotes, almost anyone can be arrested for anything. Now, he's speaking out against that. Yes. Awesome. That's a positive development. History shows that governments sometimes seek to regulate our lives finely, acutely, thoroughly, and exhaustively. History shows that governments sometimes seek to? Come on. Has there really been a government that hasn't (laughs) attempted to regulate your life finely, acutely, thoroughly, and exhaustively? Well, once you've gone to law school and probably once you've had some other things happen to you, you're no longer comfortable with making definitive statements most of the time. So he might just be like, well, I haven't studied every government throughout history, so I'm not going to definitively say there hasn't been one. (laughs) So I'm just going to go with most of the time. That might be where he's coming from. In our own time and place, criminal laws have grown so exuberantly and come to cover so much previously innocent conduct that almost anyone can be arrested for something. If the state could use the, these laws, not for their intended purposes, but to silence those who voice unpopular ideas, little would be left of our First Amendment liberties. And so, little would separate us from the tyrannies of the past or the malignant fiefdoms of our own age. The freedom to speak without risk risking arrest is one of the principal characteristics by which we distinguish a free nation. And that's uh, from some lawsuit, Houston versus Hill, that it, we're quoting there. And this is really important. If you have, if somebody is, uh, you know, p- creating a kerfuffle and the government doesn't like it, and then they go yeah. and find something that they've done wrong, you know, none of us are going to have a problem if this is rape, murder, or arson, right? right. However, oh, wow, they suddenly figured out that the, the rapist, murderist, uh, murder, raping, murdery, murdery arsonist is uh having political speech. But if instead what they do is they go after somebody for, I don't know, obstruction of justice, for instance, this is a crap charge and I don't care who gets it. I'm not here to support the president, uh, Donald Trump, but I am here to say obstructing which justice for what? It's kind of a dishonorable charge in my opinion. Maybe I have really weird. I'm almost using like, and I've never been, you know, around these people enough, to, but I'm almost almost using like gang or mafia honor type yep. thing, and it's like, well, you're penalizing me because we fought and you lost. That shouldn't be a like 
yes. on those grounds, it's just it just strikes me as really dishonorable. Like I'm charging you because I messed up. As far as I'm concerned, if a police officer is arresting you for something that is uh, not illegal, like you have done nothing wrong, and you punch the police officer in the nose, like that's a resisting arrest if you've done something wrong. But if you're not, you're defending yourself against an attacker. Now I, I get- would agree. How and why they don't like that, because nobody <laughs> likes to get punched in the nose for mistakes. But, I mean, nobody has a problem with punching me in the nose when I make mistakes. Well, if you attempt to assault and kidnap them, you, you should expect to be punched by right. people who don't deserve to be a assaulted and kidnapped. police officer who's arresting somebody who has not committed a crime is committing assault and kidnapping. And a punch in the nose is a is, is a low price for such a thing. Yeah, if and, I go around starting physical altercations, I expect to be hit back. It's kind of insane not to. Now, I'm not saying that this is a good idea. I'm not suggesting it or no, anything like die. that. No, you'll die. Don't do it. Uh, right. Don't do that. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, as far as uh, Donald Trump goes, is it's pretty din- in disingenuous to charge somebody with obstruction of justice if you have nothing that justice was after. If justice wasn't after anything, there's no charge, i.e. there is no charge, then how could you have obstruction of justice? Secondarily, are you telling me I shouldn't hide things from people who want to lock me up? What do you think I am, stupid? I mean, come on. We don't. <laughs> the founding fathers who were willing to shoot the British center of mass to drive their officers through with bayonets would not have said, oh, yes, it's very important you testify against yourself. I mean... Only a lunatic, only a bunch of Washington morons would say this. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE, as in freedom, 855-450-3733. Tell us what's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. Tell us what tell us what's on your mind, 855-450-3733, or use the Discord call on lines at discord.freetalklive.com. With you tonight, it's Aria, Melanie, and Mark. And we've been talking about Gorsuch and his surprising statements. Because I'm I'm surprised by it. I'm not. There's there t- there it is not uncommon for there to be some philosophically sound um just kind of almost academic-like statements in dissenting opinions. It is a dissenting opinion, that's true. What is he dissenting from, exactly? I didn't see that part. Uh, Reason Magazine didn't didn't see, you know, if that's mentioned, it's mentioned farther down that I thought was worth reading. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is great. And I just sort of saved it for the uh, on-air file. See, it concerns me because if this is the dissenting opinion that governments use their power to abuse, you know, the whole population, then what would the majority opinion be that governments somehow don't? So it's okay for our government to have more power. To me, uh, it's a critical question of what he's dissenting from. Well, this is kind of one of the reasons that I do believe that there's a difference between Republicans and Democrats. The Republicans. The good, the, what I've called the good Supreme Court justices are the ones that have made the best uh, decisions and the best dissents at this point tend to be uh, voted, tend to be appointed by Republicans. And the ones that are the worst are tend to be appointed by the Democrats. I'm not saying that there can't be a little bit of, uh, you know, chafe either way, but, you know, the shtick that there's not a single bit of difference between these people, I don't believe that. Um, I tend to believe that the Republican 
presidents, although they suck in a whole bunch of different ways, make better Supreme Court nominations, which is probably the most important thing they can do. Sure. I would agree with that, but it's only relevant in very few election cycles. Yep. It's only relevant in very few Supreme Court decisions. The vast majority of Supreme Court decisions, as I understand it, are nine to nine to zero. Really? Yes. I was so, not aware um, of that. No. I'm not surprised. No, I, I could go pull that up for you a little later before you, uh, counselor, before you, <laughs> you get all riled up. I've got something to back that up with. So I'll I'll pull that up for the next segment. And then, then you okay, can go Okay, yeah, I want to see that. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, the Supreme Court, as Rothbard pointed out in um, Anatomy of the State, is fundamentally flawed because it is part of the state. We're essentially asking the state to determine what is and isn't permissible for the state to do. I agree with you. And fundamentally, that's going to be a problem. But, you know, if you're talking about somebody who's paid to be fair minded, maybe they can be fair minded a little bit sometimes. And if that's the case, then maybe they'll make some good decisions sometimes, which will limit the growth of the state in some ways. They have done a very poor job of it historically. Yep. The state's growing. But that's because the state will figure out ways to grow, even if there are limits placed on it. Right. Which is what the Constitution, as we were talking about, was supposed to be. It was supposed to not be a limitation on government power, but a strict enumeration on what the government could and couldn't do. So much for that. Yeah. Yeah. That that was thrown out long ago. But Gorsuch, as I understand it, is an advocate that the Constitution should be taken in that particular context, which is great. But he's not. He's clearly still just a part of a minority, even on the Supreme Court. At the very least, he has given me a quote that I can now use whenever the rule of law people call in. Right? Absolutely. So, you know, the rule of law people call in on the regular, especially on a, a Saturday night here on Free Talk Live, and they're like, well, you know, you need the rule of law. And I'm all for the rule of law. But the problem is that, you know, when you just say that, uh, first off, the politicians don't follow the law, so you don't have rule of law. You only have rule for the serfs. Right. And that's not rule of law, not by any definition of it that I've ever been given. But fine, let's operate by that standpoint. When you have enough laws, as Gorsuch says, where anyone can be convicted of anything, almost anyone could be arrested for anything. That all, Then all you need is a law enforcement officer who thoroughly enough wants to take you down, or a group of them, or a state's attorney, or you pick whichever state. Uh, tax-feeding scumbag we're talking about here, can then determine, all right, I want this person taken down. Now, that's not rule of law anymore. When they say, like, okay, they're not keeping their grass the right length, or they've got, uh, they're growing vegetables in their front yard, or they're oh, using... Oh, the beans. What's, whatever it might be, at some point or another, everybody who's listening to me has probably committed a felony in the last five years. Everybody who's here, they may not know it. They may be, they may be sitting there. There's a cop sitting in his police car right now. He's like, what? (laughs) What? I haven't committed a felony. Yes, sir. You you have. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that. Supreme Court Justice Neil (laughs) Gorsuch is saying it. I'm just a talk show host who believes in less government. Who, over the course of 15 years, has come to the inexorable conclusion that we live in a police state. I did not believe this when we started. I do believe it now. 
I didn't get on the show because I had an axe to grind about these things. I was convinced over time by uh, by stories and by listeners calling in and and you know this this and that and and it just at at some point or another you just have to throw up your hands and say yep this system's broken. Absolutely. I mean, if you don't think we live in a police state. Well, I mean, what are we calling a police state? I'll give you three examples right now. Okay. They're taking naked pictures of your wife at the airport. They're groping your children at the airport. They have roving and stationary uh, checkpoints where they check people for their papers inside the United States. Do you need anything else? No. All right. That's I I was just curious what you were characterizing as a police state. I don't know what else to tell you. (laughs) They're taking naked pictures of your wife at the airport, and you don't do anything about it. That's because you are not a free person. You are a serf. Yeah, you are You are intimidated by the guns that they would use against you if you attempted to do something about it. That, right. that would definitely be a hallmark of fascism in the police state. You can't put chains on a free man. But if you scare him and he begs for the chains, he'll never do anything about it. And that's what's happened. Absolutely. And it's understood by, at the very least, Neil Gorsuch. I mean, a lot of these people, they're able to operate under the delusion that we're not in a police state because the cops generally leave them alone. But what do you expect? It's a numbers game. They can't go after everybody. But once you get pulled over out in the middle of nowhere at three o'clock in the morning and suddenly you've got five cop cars around you, they're searching you for drugs because they said their canine found some, even though you know there's none in there. And then you end up getting arrested and you get five charges stacked on you like resisting arrest and all sorts of nonsense then you know you know you're at their mercy and you're perpetually at their mercy the problem is that a lot of americans simply persist in a state of denial well they probably aren't out at three o'clock in the morning per one that that as well the vast majority of them aren't i I, you know i've been pulled over going to work at four o'clock in the morning and you know they ask you where you um where are you coming from home where are you going work they leave you alone no, if they don't. Well, they do. They did me. But if I was coming home, well, see, from a I party say I don't have to tell you anything, and then they stop leaving me. I alone. got pulled over in uniforms. They watch me drive out the parking lot. I smell like food. Where are you coming from? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't help you. Like that's not what I told them. Right. Well, I can't help you. You have made the uh, contention that uh, the the, the uh, law enforcement in Louisiana has somehow stepped down from uh, the rest of the South. Well, I said from New Hampshire. I don't know what I have. Eight five five four fifty free as in. Are you concerned that liberty, free market economics, and the values that made America great are no longer taught in schools? Well, so am I. So I got my son the Tuttle Twins children's book series. My name is Jack, and I'm eleven years old, and I just started the Tuttle Twins. So far, I have learned that some people can use the government to ruin the economy and destroy people's businesses. Give all the young people in your life a chance at reason and clear thought. Because they're not going to get it at school. There are nine books in the series, and each one teaches a set of ideas that children aren't getting elsewhere. Go to TuttleTwins.com and use coupon code FTL to get 40% off. Again, that's TuttleTwins.com. This is Free Talk Live. Take control of the airways. Tell us whatever is on your mind. 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria. Melanie. And Mark. And although we've been talking about uh, Neil Gorsuch and his surprising statement about how governments tend to abuse their authority, let's go to the phones. we got Sarah calling in from New Mexico. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. 
Yes, I want to ask you guys, um, do you think uh, the state of Texas, do you think two different drivers will run over the same pedestrians like two times like a bag of laundry like they do here in Albuquerque? Is this like a, um, a, one of those uh, math problems, uh, word problems? If two cars well, run over the a, same pedestrian, <laughs> one's traveling 50 miles an hour, the other traveling uh, 40 miles an hour. How many giblets do you get? Wow. What what happens to the bag of laundry? I mean, they run them over like two times like a bag of dirty laundry here in Albuquerque. I know? haven't studied Texas traffic that hard. I have no idea why well, you're but, asking me this. But, you know, I brought this up because they're going to um, do away with uh, red light cameras. The the governor... No, Sarah thinks that uh, despite all the evidence that you might present her, Sarah believes that red light cameras solve problems. They cause people to slam on their brakes in the middle of intersections. What Sarah really wants is any impediment to using a motor vehicle at all. She wants everybody to tootle around walking, except for her... That she can ride on a city bus. Is that well, accurate, Sarah? Well, um, I'm not hearing know, no. I, that's disturbing. <laughs> yeah, modern society well, can screech to prefer, a halt. She doesn't care. Well, modern society can take the bus. <laughs> modern society can come screeching out of a, uh, the sky as an airplane and uh, land on her her apartment at any time. She doesn't worry about that. The thing about it is that I, I brought, I'm bringing this up because you know in a state of Texas they could they could remove all of the red light cameras that's okay and they're going to do it in time but they have to finish out their contracts if, if they still have like a three year or one year with the yep. company some municipalities they still got to finish out the contract yep. but what I'm saying is that in state of Texas do you think they would dare just run over a pedestrian two times just because they felt like why it? do you think no. that the Traffic that the the cars or the drivers in New Mexico are so much worse than the rest of the country. Am I understanding correctly well, I mean, that your your primary contention is that if they take out these cameras, then drivers will just run over pedestrians because they're no longer on video? No, no. The state of Texas they will prosecute you as a criminal offense. They will put them in jail for like fifteen, twenty years. They for know what? Better, but it's they could, they could, I want to say, they could afford to remove all of the red light cameras, but they will enforce the law. The police will enforce the law. Is it so not illegal to run over people in New Mexico? I mean, I haven't well, studied I mean, New Mexico law, but I, I would imagine that it is. Well, um, the thing is, they never, they never get prosecuted. So even if the Pedestrian has the right of way and the walk signal, and then the first one runs them over. The second one runs them. I never hear anybody going to jail. It's, what? How, how do you know? Like, how do you know they never get prosecuted? Do you check up on this? Well, um, they keep. I keep hearing people do it. You know what I mean? They they just uh, life of a pedestrian is not worth much here. Well, Sarah, thank you for the call. I have a really hard time imagining that there is some driver out there who runs over somebody and the next person who comes through goes, oh, look, there's a human body shaped speed bump. I'm just going to plow over them, too. It's not unlikely that it has happened. I mean, everything has happened under the sun. Sure. But, um, you know, the Sarah is fixated (laughs) on traffic on this. And um, I would recommend 
not taking her terribly seriously in this particular area. I mean, it's weird because it's like you would think that somebody who has places to be at a certain time would be the one worrying about traffic, right? Like if I just have nowhere to be, I don't have to be on the roads at five o'clock, six o'clock, whatever rush hour traffic is. Yeah, but see, she has nowhere to be, so she's able to just pick this issue and just fixate on it relentlessly. You heard (laughs) she did not deny wanting to see Every single combustion engine on the planet, like, spiked and thrown into a junkyard. Melted down for scrap. Yeah, because she she doesn't have a job to get to. (laughs) And she doesn't care that the people who do have a job to get to at a certain time have to actually get there. She's willing to give up the convenience of the bus in order that you can't have a car. Well, she doesn't need need it because she doesn't have anywhere to be. She doesn't have a job and she doesn't have any other like replacement for a job like it's not like oh i'm rich so i do volunteer work or i raise kids is that like she has nothing to do so if it takes you six hours to get to the grocery store it doesn't matter you got all day i can't imagine though being so bored because that's ultimately what it is that she's willing to walk six miles or six hours to a grocery store I've done my fair share of walking especially i wasn't wasn't talking about walking i was talking about like if the buses are delayed that much but Whatever, whatever the case may be. I mean, is that her hypothetical perfect world is no private t- transportation and only public? I, I, I can only presume what she thinks because <laughs> like, uh, she's, she's all about the, the incremental steps. So let's put up the red light cameras. Even if we find out that cars have more accidents at red light cameras, we'll just ignore this. It's a fact. <laughs> we'll just ignore it. I mean, you know, like, like, she ignores fact after fact after fact. The fact that states are willing to take down a device that costs them very little and raises revenue because traffic accidents increase so much that that it's not worth the revenue to... I'm sure they never state that, but they do pull them down. Right. What would any other reason? Well, see, I, I didn't even know a reason other than the privacy issue and the right to confront one's accuser and all of that and being unable to do that if it's a camera accusing you. For all you know, the device malfunctioned and it would be on them to prove that it didn't. I'd be willing to bet 98% of people just pay the ticket and they don't bother going to court and trying to get uh, um, you know, their, to, to confront their con- accuser. Sure, but that's why we have the boots so thoroughly on our necks. That's why we have Neil Gorsuch saying that just about everyone can be arrested for anything because they just pay the fine they just bow to the state they don't resist the immediate point of gorsuch's argument is to criticize the idea that having probable cause for an arrest should automatically invalidate a claim that the arrest violated the first amendment because it was being used as a tool to punish dissenting speech can you help me with that, I, that yeah that i wasn't able to parse it that sentence was too much for me i'm going to read it one more time uh ladies uh you know, let's 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 rub a few brain cells together and help me out. The immediate point of Gorsuch's argument is to criticize the idea that having probable cause for an arrest should automatically invalidate a claim that the arrest violated the First Amendment because it was being used as a tool to punish dissenting speech. Nope, I still didn't get it. Yeah, Melanie? so this is the ulterior motive arrest. So basically, I'm arresting you for real because of what you're saying, and I don't like it. Okay. But I did, in fact, have probable cause to arrest you for spraying Lysol six inches away from an object instead of seven, like it says on the bottle or whatever the numbers are. Yep. The vast modern expansion of both criminal and civil liability poses a more general threat to the rule of law. More case law here. 
uh, Lavrenti Baria, the infamous head of the Soviet secret police under Joseph Stalin, supposedly once said, I guess this is a quote, actually, show me the man, I'll show you the crime. In the Soviet Union, the regime could always find some crime to pin on anyone it chose to target. As a general rule, it would be silly to equate the modern United States with a mass-murdering totalitarian state. But Why? in one respect, the two regimes are more similar than we would like them to be. Because in the United States, they don't murder you. They throw you in prison, which is, frankly, more costly and better for the uh, the state. Because, well, they have to pay, to, they, they have to tax in order to keep you um, in this, this place. And nobody... That's true, but if you refuse to be kidnapped, they will kill you. Oh, that much is true. Yeah, but they would rather kidnap you. But Americans are a, a load of mouth-breathing myrmidons. So as soon as They're somebody... Mouth-breathing what? Myrmidons. You can look that up in the break. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, I owe you a, a reference, too. Um, what I mean is is that once somebody's convicted, they'll just go ahead and believe anything bad about them. You know, that's it. They're convicted. They're gone. They've disappeared down the memory hole. I don't dispute that at all. 855-450-3733. Tell us what's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio you control. Give us a call. Tell us whatever is on your mind. 855-450-FREE as in Free Talk Live. 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria. Melanie. And Mark. And Mark, you look like you had something that you wanted to share with us. I do. I want to share cryptocurrency wire here. Uh, If you're looking to reach the cryptocurrency market or perhaps you want to spread mass awareness of your crypto technology, either way, you need a communications company that specializes in the field. Leveraging 35 plus different brands, part of the investor brand network and more than 5,000 downstream distribution partners, Cryptocurrency Wire combines the power of specialization with mass market reach. With their help, you can start connecting with crypto-friendly journalists and more than 1.6 million followers. Their commitment is to get the most eyes possible in your big news. While it's fresh, domestic, or international, they can reach 56 different countries and also provide translation services. If your company is uh, even if your company is as important and a relevant newsmaker, you need someone that specializes in the field to get your message heard. Cryptocurrencywire.com. We've uh, used them here on Free Talk Live, and, you know, we got some success with it. We got some stories. Uh, some, some people wrote some stories about us. Cryptocurrencywire.com. Very cool. Now, we've been talking about Neil Gorsuch. It's so hard for me not to call him Gorsuch. <laughs> I mean, simply because that is how I've always pronounced it. I thought that's what it was. He does suck, but that's not why. And his dissenting opinion on the Supreme Court that the state too often can can have its enforcers use ulterior motives to justify an arrest. Like, I'm dealing with a state trooper here locally who doesn't seem to have much for me. And, of course, he does have an excuse to justify it. The question I have is whether or not there's actually an ulterior motive. And it seems like there is. And what Neil Gorsuch is saying is that this is all too possible when we have it set up so that just about every citizen can be arrested for anything. Yeah, there's not tons, but there is a substantial amount of federal Supreme Court case law 
that deals with ulterior motive arrests. And currently the law is, and historically everything I've ever read about it, is that, yeah, they can. Yeah. Yeah, because you can't prove that it was um, nefarious in the first place or personally motivated. And it would be really weird from a sustaining the state standpoint if they ruled the other way. Like, because then they would have to say, well, yes, you broke the law, but that's not what matters here. And that's a really weird position for them to take and also save face. And so they're not going to do it. Right. And when you, I mean, if you think about this, uh, as the the listener here, if you think about it, I mean, do you think that the police would rather have more options to arrest somebody or fewer? Do you think the prosecutors would rather have more options or fewer uh, when it comes to uh, prosecution? Do you think that defense attorneys would rather have more cases or fewer when it comes to uh, defense? I mean, do you think judges would are, you know, don't you think judges benefit from more cases coming in front of them? More opportunity to hire more judges, more opportunity to be a chief judge. Everybody here benefits except you. Most Americans going on here, most Americans, of course, never face punishment for their law breaking. And I just made the statement that I believe that everybody listening to me has probably committed a felony in the last 10 years. I don't know about felony, but they certainly broke some statute, some regulation. Well, a felony is just anything over, well, on a federal level, it's anything over a year. States can define it differently if they want to. Most states define it about the same way. So that, I mean, that's so... So the only difference is how much time you might spend in jail? Yes. Interesting. That's the difference between misdemeanor and Now, some states will, states pretty much adopt that, but they'll deviate from it a little bit. Like, okay, well, well, that's the general rule, but then we have these three laws that we deviate from that for no reason. I mean, that's interesting because we've created this entire mythology around the felon, where you become almost unhirable if you have a felon in your history. But ultimately, there's no real difference yeah. I think- and it's punishable by, so if a sentence ranges from, if you have one of these broad crimes where the sentence ranges from a $50 fine to two years in jail, that's a felony, even if you get a $20 fine. Wow. I think that uh, writing a bad check is a felony, but um, I'm not an attorney. I don't pay uh, that much attention to these things, but lots of things are felonies. People don't have any idea. I'd be willing to bet that uh, having expired oxycodone in your medicine cabinet and there's a lot of people in america who have that is probably a felony that you could be convicted on it is in louisiana because anything other than weed is a felony no matter what the amount or intent is if you um you know even if (laughs) and i i know people do this and i'm sure this is a felony handing out that oxycodone to a family member who's in pain oh yeah the distribution of (laughs) narcotics or is definitely a felony Right. So, I mean, when you're talking about the read the book, three felonies a day, and then maybe you'll get some idea of some of these ludicrous um, the ways that people become felons. Anyway, the average American never faces punishment for their law breaking, but it's true only because the authorities lack the resources to pursue most violators and routinely exercise discretion in determining which ones are worth the effort. In this way, the rule of law is largely supplanted by the rule of chance and the rule of executive discretion inevitably political ideology and partisanship have major impact on the latter for example federal law enforcement priorities are very different under trump than they were under obama also you know i let's just take into consideration human beings if you have a 
um, I'm just going to, I, I think this is just a fair statement. If you have a young black male uh, that you think you has uh, committed a crime as a police officer or, um, you know, and remember, everybody's committed a crime. We're, we're establishing right. this right now. Or there's an old couple wandering by. Who are you going to chase after? Yeah, I mean, this is allowing uh, police officers to make these sorts of judgment calls is how you end up with bias and discrimination being built into the system because they will have their own personal criteria about which people to pull over, which ones to ignore. Like if a cop sees two people speeding, one is black and one is white. If they do happen to be a racist, who are they going to be ticketing? I think there's also just sort of natural tendencies to think things. I was pulled over a couple of months ago for running a red light. I straight up ran a red light. I, I just didn't even <laughs> think about it. I just went right through it. And um, it was a it was a, uh, it was a left-hand turn, and the cop was right there. I knew the cop was there. I wasn't running a red light in my mind. I was just turning. And, you know, it was, it was completely safe. Everything was fine. But he's like, I had to do a double take. I, I had no idea. Was, like, he's like, I had no idea what was going on. I had to look and look again. And you ran that red light. I'm like, really? And so, you know, all he did was look in. Of course, he sees the fireman's helmet on the uh, seat. And, you know. Always a nice little. It's a It's a perk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> take uh takes my license back, runs it, says there's nothing on it, comes back and says, Have a nice day. Um, you know, I ask him a couple of questions about what he saw when he pulled up my license because I'm just curious. It's like nothing, there's nothing there. Interesting. So, um <laughs> you know, he could have gone through my car and ripped it apart looking for something that was uh, there that was illegal. Um, well, could he not, have legally not, done no, that? because there's not going to be any evidence of running a red light in your car. No, but he Okay, so he might think, "Oh, this person was so high, they zoned out and ran a red light." But what? if that was his justification, well, he would have to have probable cause that you were high. Which uh, his, say the, the problem- fact you ran a red light is not going to cut it. Well, he could really? say my eyes look no. dilated to him. Or well, yeah, he, he could sit there and falsify a ticket and be like, "He smelled like weed. His eyes were red. He had slurred speech. I smell alcohol." Or and if could- he writes all that down, then yeah, he can then search the car. But and then he needs the, sh- or he could just do the shtick of, uh, "Sir, I'm going to have to ask you to step out now." I have to ask ask you to let me uh, search your car, uh, so I can search your car. I'm gonna have to ask you to step out so I can search your car. Yeah, they right? like that one. Yeah, that's a that's a great one. And you know, he didn't do anything like that because why? Well, he's dealing with a firefighter. He's dealing with a middle aged guy who's just you know everybody's run a light at some point or another. Yeah. So you know, why? What's the problem? So, what advice would you have for people? Who have that experience, the cop's like, I need you to step out of your car so I can search it. So if you're talking to a cop, you need to be very, I don't know if there's even a word for this in English, very like obnoxiously, asininely uh, literal. Okay. So, yeah, the cop needs to, like, yeah. The... What is the response that doesn't get you arrested and doesn't get you shot? That you don't, if he's telling you to get out, you need to get out. But if he's just saying, I need to ask you. I need to search. I need you to let me and just tell them that you don't consent to that. Right. And then they'll either do it anyway or now they explicitly don't have consent. Are you asking me or are you giving me an order? And if they say they're asking you, then well, I kindly decline. Okay. Good advice. I've always wondered the answers to to those questions. Of course, I'm inclined to always state that I do not consent to any encounter with law enforcement. But it's always good to know that, you know, the difference between an order and a suggestion is a big deal. 855-450-3733.
Again, that's 855-450-FREE as in freedom. Tell us what's on your mind. Would you like to hang out with Penn Jillette? He's keynoting Freedom Fest this year. I, for one, am thrilled. Freedom Fest is the largest liberty-oriented gathering in the world. They take a big tent approach with libertarians, conservatives, liberals, anarchists, capitalists, and just open-minded people mingling together to hear real debates, share real solutions, and converse freely. This year's theme is the Wild West, a time of liberty and opportunity, or a time of anarchy and violence. Maybe both. Go to freedomfest.com slash FTL and get your tickets now. Freedomfest.com slash FTL. Not convinced yet? Hey, I understand. It's a high-end event. Even with coupon code FTL50. Sure, you're likely to receive investment advice that'll make that sum seem paltry, but I have something special for you. Go to freedomfest.com slash FTL and you'll get the five best speeches from last year for free. Call it a test drive. Do yourself a favor and go to freedomfest.com slash FTL. Freedomfest.com slash FTL. Use coupon code FTL50 for a discount. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Take control of the airways. Tell us about whatever is on your mind. 855-450-FREE as in freedom. With you tonight, it's Aria. Melanie. And Mark. And Mark, do you have anything on your mind you'd like to share with us before we dive headlong into... Let's dive. Housewives? Well, Melanie, you brought in a story that's really fascinating, um, arguing that it should be illegal to be a stay-at-home mom. Yeah, so this is from Australia, uh, Daily Telegraph dot com dot au so we're the only ones that get just dot com i guess everybody else has to specify what part of the internet they're from on the globe but and i don't so because it's from australia i don't know how fringe this is or how mainstream this is but the one thing i learned from psych uh sociology class that i had to take was that you should never ignore people just because they're fringe at the moment because maybe one day they won't be. So, um, that was... So I don't know So <laughs> I, I don't know how serious this is at the moment, but I'm not going to ignore it as non-serious, even if it is fringe. I haven't asked people from Australia how s- serious this is. Well, if you're from Australia and you know how serious this is, don't hesitate to give us a call, 855-450-3733. So let's go to the story. Yeah. So this is a woman named Sarah, and she has a last name I can't pronounce. It looks kind of French. It does. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. (laughs) I'm just going to mess it up. It's just going to offend the French people. So she says- They're offended by everything. (laughs) She's eating surrender monkeys. I might translate the dialect because it's easier to read, but she says it should be illegal to be a stay-at-home mom. I would disagree. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think we would. I'm going to need to hear more from Sarah to uh, come up with an opinion that uh, to go along with her opinion. But yeah, let's hear it. There's one issue guaranteed to trigger hysteria across the nation every time it comes up in the every time it comes up in the news, and it has nothing to do with. Pauline Hansen, international terrorism, or married at first sight. I don't know what most of those things are. I don't know what any of those things are. Well, international terrorism. Okay, fair point. <laughs> oh, I know I know, I know what, what the state says it is. <laughs> but you also know what it actually is. Right. Well, it's generally the state. What's yeah. the issue? <laughs> 
stay-at-home moms, evidently, is triggering hysteria in Australians. I can't believe this is, well, it must be pretty serious if it comes up in the news because there's no one, <laughs> it's not coming up in the news in the United States where they say stay-at-home moms are what, they're what, bad? How? Keeping the economy afloat with their purchases of cardigan well, sweaters. the news is not saying, they're bringing up the topic of stay-at-home moms, but the news is not saying that stay-at-home moms should be illegal. She is. I see. Go ahead. It's a topic of stay-at-home moms, more specifically the release of any data or analysis that dares recommend Australia women should get out of the living room, kitchen, nursery, and back into the workforce. This triggers hysteria in people. That's oh, what yeah. she says. Yeah, I would. I would imagine that it does. If you if you try go around starting to tell families that they cannot have one parent stay at home, then you have you know really hit a bee's nest. Wow. I mean, a, a recommendation or a suggestion would be very lightweight to trigger well, see, something I, like hysteria. I always kind of suspected that this was the ultimate goal of extended maternity leave. Is so, the creation of stay-at-home moms? Is the, not necessarily outright criminalization, but at least heavily discouragement of stay-at-home parents. By giving them leave to stay at home? Well, they're telling yeah, them how long Yeah, because then you're saying, well, there's no reason for you to have to stay at home because, look, we're just giving you two years, and by then they should be done, and then you can send the kid to us and go back to work. Right. So I always suspected that that was the ultimate goal. Off to the indoctrination center with your children, and then you can get back to work and start uh, earning taxes that we for us. So, so it's, you know... Uh, Theoretically, some part of these state machinations to just sort of take control of the population and to destroy the family. Yeah. And Australia was one of these countries that does have, I don't know what it is in Australia, but it, it ranges from like a year to like 18 months to two years in a lot of Europe, Australia, places like that. And the liberals here in the United States, they just they just eat this stuff up because it's like, oh, all I have to do to not have to work for two years is... Have a baby? Well, we were going to do that anyway. That's two years off. And it's it all comes down to just a hate for the word work. And sure. Look, I mean, you know, if you hate your job, you hate your job. I get it. I've had lots of jobs I hate. But I don't hate my job. Thanks. That doesn't mean that I have to pay to keep you afloat. So Yeah, I wouldn't expect to be paid for after not showing up for to work for two years. And I wouldn't even expect my position to be there anymore after two years. That is insane, or 18 months. That is a very long leap of absence. Yeah, like I, I mean for sure. I mean what the company, it would seem, would probably need to fill that role. Otherwise the job isn't really necessary in the first place and could be eliminated. Right. So that they just hire somebody and say, okay, well you're hired, but you need to know. There's a sort of Damocles over your head, and we're going to fire you as soon as this yeah, other person so a, comes back. A lot of these, a lot of these countries hire a lot of temps, and I would imagine if you are a company in a place where you know this is going to happen regularly, you might build in some redundancy, which means everyone's getting paid less, so that certain people can have two-year paid vacations. So it's just problematic all the way around. So why are why are people in Australia being recommended? To go back to work. What's this lady's, uh, you know, what's this lady's premise? Am I stealing from the state by refusing to go back to work? Is that the idea? Well, I you're mean, ste- stealing from society in general. Yeah, well, in you the know, economy and all kinds of they other. Usually, they use the term civil society. It's not civil to take people's money because they uh, they worked for. So this lady doesn't know anything about civility anyway. 
would be my uh, premise. She is a top-down authoritarian. She's a little Hitler in in sensible shoes that uh, wishes to tell everybody how they've got to live. And she wants your kids indoctrinated. She wants you indoctrinated. I don't want anything to do with her. That's my guess. The main, the main thrust of her argument does seem to be that there are large losses to the economy when women stay at home yeah, or because, work short part-time hours. Because leftists don't understand supply and demand and that if you double the supply of labor, prices will go down for labor. Yeah, it cuts everyone's wages. Also, Not to mention the costs of people coming in and going out of, of uh, uh, industry all the time, which is also expensive. Yeah. The economy is here to serve us, not other way, uh, the other way around. The economy in horseshoes has diminished over the last 200 years. But we don't get rid of automobiles as a result. And, um, you know, the, the idea the economy somehow takes a hit because moms are staying home with their families. The economy is there to serve moms and their families. Large corporations take a hit because now they have a more limited work for pool to pull from and they have to pay people more. Yeah, but screw them. This is a good thing yeah. for the consumer, for the employee. You know, having fewer people applying for more jobs is good for the employees. Right. The, yeah. the basic or- organization organizational model for human beings is not corporations. It's human beings. It's families. And that's that's what the economy is there to serve not for the corporations this lady is just you know she's just a uh, well these lockstep advocates for corporations she'd probably say the opposite but that's what she oh, is absolutely yeah i mean she's essentially saying that that the people of australia that women men their families are subservient to businesses and corporations yeah so you should hand over your so you should basically be a free surrogate mother for the state like incubate a baby and then hand it over so that corporations can have cheaper labor and um on top of that then they can properly indoctrinate the child i've had uh, leftists tell me that they think that people who homeschool their kids are unabombers the terminology <laughs> that they used um so well, six- some of them may be uh, but these stats for Unabombers do not in any way line up with the stats for and not just correlation wise but there's nowhere near as many Unabombers as there are homeschooling parents so there's that the unabomber probably went i'd be willing to bet the unabomber went to government school i would be inclined to agree as a matter of fact i'd be willing to go a step further i'd be willing to say that if we go through prisons generally we will find that they are that the government schools are super represented like even a larger percentage of the population in prison is a government school attendee because i doubt they're graduates than um than you know the average person in population so there you go. The government just wants to turn out more. It just wants to corrupt more people and turn them into cr- criminals and put them in prison. That is what it does best. 855-450-FREE, as in freedom, 855-450-3733. Yeah! This is Free Talk Live. Tell us whatever is on your mind, 855-450-3733, 855-450-FREE, as in Free Talk Live. With you tonight, it's Aria. Melanie. And Mark. Bitcoin. It's uh, it's down. It's up. It's back down again. Who knows what's going on with the uh, roller coaster of cryptocurrency? Well, there's some people with some insight at Bitcoin.com. They're your premier source for everything that's related to cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin Cash specifically. 
you know, check out Bitcoin.com. They can help you get a uh, wallet for your cryptocurrency to buy Bitcoin Cash to show you where you can spend your cryptocurrency. Places like save at purse.com. You can stay up to date with the latest news or engage on, engage with the community on their forums. Learn more at Bitcoin.com. Also, I, I think it's coming out tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow a really cool thing is happening. Local.bitcoin.com. They launch on June 4th, and that is tomorrow. And that means that you can buy, sell, trade cryptocurrencies with people in your community privately. And that's going to be pretty cool. So local.bitcoin.com. Bitcoin Cash. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what I said? I don't know exactly oh, what you said. Bitcoin Cash. This is specifically for Bitcoin Cash, which, frankly, in my opinion, is more like Bitcoin than what they uh, BTC, what they're calling Bitcoin these days, which has basically become sort of an online version of you know, digital gold. I would absolutely agree. Uh, philosophically, Bitcoin Cash is the real Bitcoin. I'm hesitant to say that because of all of the they get really baggage associated yeah. with it. But I mean, Bitcoin Cash is definitely closer to the actual Bitcoin white paper than what we call Bitcoin. I hear is. there's other things that are um, closer to the original white paper now, but but are they forks of the initial blockchain, or are they new cryptocurrencies that are trying to? relive that vision so to speak yeah i don't uh, you know to be the uh ladies and gentlemen the 2019 model t ford is not a selling point but uh bitcoin cash having low transaction fees tremendous selling point i mean honestly looking at the charts here it looks like the only thing not bombing is that craft known as bitcoin s fee and it seems to be doing pretty well. Which is probably closer to the original Bitcoin than um, anything at this Wait, point. Wait, but if you start really? off low enough, it's kind of difficult to, to bomb. Yes. I, I guess. But, I mean, it's still nice to see that at least one thing is clearly trending up while the others are kind of, you know, fluctuating rather drastically. I, I mean, have, Bitcoin is down almost 9%. I've eliminated Bitcoin SV from my favorites chart. I don't even look at it. To me, it is it is dead. It is dead to me. Well, the $212 value would disagree. But we've been talking uh, before we got into the awesome subject. I, and again, I just cannot wait for local.bitcoin.com to launch. That's going to be epic. We've been talking about uh, this woman in Australia. Well, I don't want to assume this person's gender. This person in Australia who is arguing that being a stay-at-home mom should be illegal because it's bad for the economy. Yes. So she said, so the outcry has been predictable in the wake of Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development's recent report, which has the audacity to suggest that stay-at-home moms would be better off putting their skills to use in paid employment. So either this is an opinion column, in which case it doesn't matter what they think. I think it's or an opinion this is piece. An well, what I'm reading is, but the this office that she just quoted. Okay. Or they actually do economic analysis, which shouldn't be telling you what you would be better off doing. It should just be telling you what will happen if you do X and what will happen if you do Y. Well, I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all if uh, a government agency were to say, uh, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me in the least if they were to say, 
uh, we would all be better off if all the stay-at-home moms in America would get back out and do what they are supposed to do in the economy, send their kids to school. That's what school's for. It's more efficient. Yeah, I mean, our schools are you know, dwindling or whatever, whatever rattling claptrap they say, because sure, it would be better for the government and it would be better for the economy if you made the decision to do everything as efficiently as possible and the state gets to fund its efficiencies through your tax dollars, sure. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I would even say it would be more efficient for the economy because the economy is not like this one entity. It's an aggregate of, in the way they deal with it at a government level, it's the, an aggregate of numbers. Maybe GDP would be better. Maybe total incomes would be better. Like, but. Well, it's cer- to say certainly that a more productive. Person or not would be better. It's not certainly more productive because if I'm spending more money, not staying at home, than I am to just stay. At, but see, that's consumption, not uniform. production. No, You're literally not to... producing by staying at home, right? But if I'm spending more money on uniforms and gas and daycare and everything else, that's not more productive for me. I don't, it might be more productive for the people who I mean, sell it, office clothes. It is literally more productive, though, in, in literal terms. That but is the definition of being productive. But it's negative production. I'm not sure that when you are when you start figuring everything in, you know, the, the lunches that you make and the, uh, the school uniforms, the mom's uniforms, maybe the second car, you know, all those things, that it's probably still pretty rare that a woman who puts in 40, a 40-hour week still doesn't make more money at work it depends on how skilled you are if you're a surgeon that's obviously not the case if you're a cashier that can very easily be the case well, well see, see i don't cashier, think it's... the government's concerned that your kids are going to grow up to be criminals so it really wants them yeah yeah so that it can turn them into criminals well that to their mind they're 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 they're, they're fixing them like I've sat down and run the numbers with some people, and there are people who come out negative because they're they're well, see, not like. I'm not like talking about profit labor. versus loss here, or income versus expensive. I'm talking about consumption versus productivity. If you're just sitting at home watching TV, eating food, taking care of kids, whatever, I'm not saying stay-at-home moms are lazy or anything like that, but they are literally the definition of economically unproductive. They are not producing anything; they are simply consuming. So if they do go out there and they go to work, regardless of what they're doing, they are ultimately producing something. They're producing something, but then they're consuming more than they're producing if they go to work. In a lot of cases, not in all cases. Well, they want us to consume. But they're going to be consuming either way. It's just a matter of what they're consuming and what they're not. If they're a stay-at-home mom, their income is zero, so it's not going to be hard for their expenses to outweigh their income. So even if they do go to job go to a job and they have an income of say to keep it simple $100 and their expenses are 110 the negative is still only $10 versus if they were a stay-at-home mom and it was negative 110 but if you look at it as an economic unit or even even if you don't so like is your light bill and your rent and everything else really going up that much by your wife staying at home it probably shouldn't be if the economic units of the family is making $60,000 a year and has expenses of 20 and now the woman goes to work and so now they have income of $70,000 a year and expenses of 40 or 45 or 50 that doesn't make sense I don't um, I wouldn't make this argument because I'd be willing to pay whatever my wife's uh, uh, you know paycheck is to have better kids um, and that's what I'm looking for is a better family unit and having my wife stay at home is going to do that 
that's what she wants. That's what I want. Then that's what should happen. The idea that we're going to parse this down to numbers. Screw all these people in their numbers, as far as I'm concerned. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live has found that though U.S. financial institutions are prohibited from doing business with foreign gambling websites, it's not illegal for U.S.-based Internet users to gamble on those sites. People have been using VPNs or virtual private networks to connect to sites like games.bitcoin.com and play games with Bitcoin Cash. Games.bitcoin.com features poker, blackjack, roulette, craps, keno, slots, and dice. You can conduct your own investigation at games.bitcoin.com. This is Free Talk Live. Talk radio you control. Tell us whatever is on your mind. 855-450-FREE is in freedom. With you tonight, it's Aria. Melanie. And Mark. You don't have to have listened to Free Talk Live for too, too long, especially LRN.FM, where we uh, put all kinds of liberty-oriented content. And I've had uh, to, to know that I'm a little obsessive about my magic mud. I've had ads there for a long time. And uh, I'm, you know, I confess that I drink about a pot of coffee a day. Now, my coffee is decaffeinated. I understand the rest of the world doesn't think that's real coffee, but it stains just like coffee. And fair point. My magic mud is awesome for removing stains from your teeth. If you're a smoker, you uh, drink coffee, there's a bunch of things that stain your teeth. Just real life, eating blackberries, you know, stain your teeth. And But as a black tooth powder made of charcoalized coconut shells and bentonite clay, it removes stains like you wouldn't believe. When Jessica Armand, the lady who created this stuff, uh, first gave me a bottle, she explained to me how to to use it. On the phone, uh, I had the bottle. I'm like, can you tell me again how to use this? And she it was use it for four days and then every three or four days after that. And I could tell after the first application on the first day, wow, there's some spots that rub that, that uh, color right off. By four days, everything was like my teeth should look and it's really really impressive it's clinically proven to whiten teeth i don't need to you know that that news i know it's true also i'm a hundred percent convinced that it removes tartar better than regular toothpaste because i can i use regular toothpaste and then every well, you know three or four days i'm sort of feeling things feel a little different i use the my magic mud and my mouth feels so much cleaner it's available at health food most major health food stores sprouts CVS, Natural Grocers, and Walmart's Natural Beauty Isle. But if you go to MyMagicMud.com and use coupon code FTL20, you get 20% off. And that's a real nice deal. MyMagicMud.com, coupon code FTL20. If you don't listen to anything else I say here on the radio, if you think I'm just a babbling lunatic... Well, listen I do, but I still listen to you. Listen to this, mymagicmud.com, and use coupon code FTL20 to save 20%. I think you should get it however you get it, but I'd like to see you save 20% at mymagicmud.com. Very cool. I like the idea of it. I, mean, it, I think it was uh, you who mentioned it at one point. It doesn't sound like something that you would want in your mouth. No, it doesn't. <laughs> based on the ingredients, but it actually works, and that's, that's shocking. Let's go to the phones. We've got Kirby calling from Indiana. Kirby, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, good evening, everybody. 
I know this is off topic, but I just have to ask, are you guys, from, or, or have you seen the, the what I call a phenomenon now, where people that are just out taking pictures or filming, the fascists with badges immediately roll up and want ID? What is going on with that? No, I, I thought this was the, this has sort of gone out of style. This used to be like right after 9-11, you'd find the police really hated people taking pictures, but... Uh, is this happening again? Yeah, I mean, I consider yeah, this they, to be like the it, norm. It, yes, yeah, I just witnessed it. I'm at work. I work in downtown Indianapolis. Three young white guys out here, obviously not terrorists. And sure enough, as soon as they got, got started taking pictures, here comes IMPD with their swastikas and asking for papers it's it's ridiculous and i I mean i'm 58 years old and black and i feel like if they'll do that to a 20 something white guy i might not need to come out out of the house and take a picture of anything i've seen that um you know like they don't like for whatever reason people taking instagram photos out in public and I don't really understand why that is. Maybe it's because Instagram's for young people and it's always okay to bother young people. But um, that w- that would be the only thing I can think of on this. I, uh, I'll i take your word for it. You're out there in the public more than I am, Kirby. Yeah, unfortunately, I have to live out here with the, as my grandmother said, it takes all kinds to make a world. <laughs> I just ain't figured out why we got to have so many kinds. My, I, I, I don't know that. That's what people were talking about when they said all kinds. I don't think they necessarily meant that. I mean, I don't want to speak for your grandmother, but that kind's when we can do it out. We we could do it without hassling people over taking pictures. So I've not encountered this. It's not people taking pictures of them that get some riled up. It's just people being out and about and taking pictures at all causes the cops to show up. Yeah, because these guys were just taking pictures of uh, the hotel and the mall. Oh, taking pictures. I thought you were talking about taking pictures of the cops. Okay, I you know, I've never heard of that. And the cops just oh, pulled up and were like, we need to see your identification? Yeah. It used to yeah, be. pulled up and said, what are you guys doing? Uh, they, they were like, oh, we're just taking some pictures. He's like, well, it looks suspicious. You got ID? <laughs> I'm not driving the <laughs> camera, know, officer. When did, taking a, yeah, when did taking pictures become a suspicious activity? Yeah, well, um, they used to go after people for being at, like, train stations and airports and taking pictures of planes and things like that because they're like, transportation, that's dangerous. And I know that they've gone after people for, you know, taking pictures of edifices, in this case, uh, buildings, um, that kind of thing. There was an article locally where, look, I don't know anything about songs, but something like Old Town Road is is a new song. Um, and people are now taking Instagram videos on Old Town Road here in uh, southwestern New Hampshire. And I guess there's like five people live on Old Town Road and most of them are grumpy. Uh, you know, I mean, so, so somebody will come Shocking. out. Right. Somebody will come out with a horse, you know, and take some videos of them. I don't know, doing a cover of Old Town Road or whatever. And people are clicking all over the nation looking up Old Town Road. I may not even have the name of the song right, but. Uh, you know, that was a the, the police department put out some kind of press release saying, hey, don't do too many videos at hometown road or something, something dumb and pointless. It's a state. It's a it's a town road. You can't keep people off of it. You can't even keep people in horses off of it. 
I'm not sure what the laws are in Indiana, but I know at least in New Hampshire, and I, I would assume this is true in most cases, if, a, if you're just out on the streets and a cop approaches you and asks you for identification, you don't have to comply. Of course, this isn't to say you, you won't end up Indiana. choked. Yeah, this. You do? You do in Indiana, yeah. They call it failure to identify. The only exemption to that is if you're the passenger in an automobile. Or, like, say they walk up to you and somebody M-wags you, man, with a gun. If they come up and say, hey, I need to see your uh, permit, you don't have to show it to them. Because our Supreme Court said that's the same as stopping every car you see to make sure the driver has a valid license. Interesting. Yeah, and there are states that have, you know, self-identify laws where you have to identify. There's not usually laws that says you even have to have an ID, though. So you just have to say who you are. Yeah, now, Name, that doesn't, mean, serial number, that doesn't mean what is or isn't going to happen if you refuse to show them an ID, but it's kind of difficult to have a law that says you have to show ID if there's not even a law that says you have to have an ID if Kirby, you're not driving. Kirby, thank you so much for the call. I'm not surprised to find that cops are just harassing random people, but I mean, certainly the whole... I need to see your ID thing is rigged because even if you're in a state like we are, where you don't actually have to provide any sort of identification, I don't think you even have to answer their questions or stop, even stop walking. That's not going to stop them from choking you to death out there yeah. on the streets. So for, even if it's not illegal, yeah, they can definitely just kill you or arrest you for something else or arrest you for something that's not even a crime and or as we were talking about, you with it. You made them mad. So, oh, look, you also have a taillight out or, oh, yeah. Look, you have this other thing wrong. That's technically a violation. So let's arrest you for that. If you have the camera out, it's probably a good idea to begin uh, filming that interaction as quickly mm. as possible. Absolutely. I Officer, like the. If you just hold still for just a second, I'm going to start videoing this so that we have we both have a record of what's going. Oh, you're filming it too. Excellent. Now we have two <laughs> records. Yeah. I like these citizen body cameras that you can buy at like Walmart, like forty or fifty bucks. I don't know how effective they are. I'm not going to walk around with something like that on. Well, I imagine it would be kind of discreet. Well, yeah, but you're a white guy that lives in Keene, New Hampshire. Not everybody is in that situation. Did Some you just people assume that, my like, ethnicity? Yes. Did you Some just tell me my gender? Might, no, because I was talking to Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Not everybody has that luxury, so in some people's case, it might make sense. Yeah. 855-450-FREE, as in freedom, This is Free Talk Live. Take control of the airways. Tell us about anything and everything that happens to be on your mind. Well, not everything. That number is 855-450-3733. 855-450-FREE, as in freedom. With you tonight, it's Aria. Melanie. And Mark. I want to thank the amplifiers, specifically Shannon McGully. Shannon uh, is a silver amplifier, and you could be one, too, if you go to amp.freetalklive.com. There, you can sign up for our AMP program. We give you some perks. Uh, I can think of the AMP-only Facebook page, for one, which is kind of nice, where you can go talk to other amplifiers. And me, I, I get on there on a relatively regular basis uh, on the Facebook page. But also, what you're doing is you're helping us to spread the ideas of liberty and free speech, all kinds of uh, different things that people aren't used to experiencing on 
the radio. So if you go to amp.freetalklive.com and support us, we'll appreciate it. It's amp.freetalklive.com. Thank you, Shannon. Let's go back to the phones. We've actually got Bad Slave. Bad Slave, you're on Free Talk Live. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. What's on uh, your mind? I want to I want to thank uh, Mark right off the bat for his uh You're welcome. <laughs> his, yeah, for his claim to uh why he's got uh his uh, wife home with with his son, with your son and uh and 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 the importance of family. You know, I mean I I think there's been an attack in my lifetime specifically uh, going, you know, I was born in 52. So, you know, I'm a boomer and, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I just watched everything just kind of march along from, you know, what it was back when. And, and I'm not, you know, some kind of a traditionalist that's all stuck in the past, but, but I mean, there were so, lots of good things about how America used to work that that you know I think they're trying to throw out because they they don't want individual power. They do not want regular people to be empowered themselves to defend themselves to. Uh, and you're you're saying all of this in defense of the stay-at-home mom? Yes, I am absolutely. And, so, well, would you not I, say it's I, more empowering to be out there earning your own way in the world and striving for independence through? Well, I, no, I, I don't. Well, I don't think. It, well, how is it more I, independence to trade services to a corporation for resources than it is to trade services to your husband for resources? Because the latter I, I, is prostitution. Well, no. Here, let only me just, if that's the only service well, you're trading. Let me qualify this a little bit, please. Uh, sure. First of all, I don't care whether it's mom or dad that stays home with the kid. I just think that one of the parents ought to be a, a stay-at-home parent, probably until the youngest child reaches puberty or close to it. And I would I, agree that, you know, while raising a child, it's important for at least one parent to be around that child, not at all times because you need to give people space and all that, but to at least be yeah. there physically in the same location. Well, there's a lot more I have to say about this. And by all means. And so uh, anyway, the. Uh, you know, what what's been going on is, you know, first of all, the. You know, they came up with uh, government schools. I call them I call them Gov Indoc because that's what what we're doing here. We're we've uh, got government indoctrinating children, and that's and that's, that's their plan. I think that was probably the uh, sort of number one reason why my wife and I, because you know, we had these conversations when we were dating. Uh, we decided. Oh, I, you know, frankly, it was me talking. It's like I I don't really want to have kids, but if we did, 
I would want one of us to stay home and take care of them, and I have no interest in doing that. So you would have to decide if we wanted to have kids. You'd have to. You'd be committing for the long haul <laughs> to stay home. Is basically what I told her, and because you know, I I don't agree with everything Dr. Laura said, but she convinced me on this one issue: is that look, it's either you raising your kid or it's the government raising your kid. Absolutely. And if you want to take the most inefficient organizational model known to man and have them educate your kid, expect bad results. See, a lot of people have this idea that there's somehow some difference between educating a child and raising a child and that they can turn their kid over to the state for seven hours a day every day for 18 years and the they will ultimately be the ones raising the child and the state They'll is just the educating them. But that isn't the way it works at all. The state is actually raising people's children, no matter how we want to characterize it. They are teaching them these social values that the parents may not agree with and worldviews that the parents may not endorse. I mean, if if the younger generation has a different set of values than the older generation, where did they get them? And the answer is has to be school. I, I mean, you know, that's an know interesting question. But I mean, how could they have propagated into the schools in the first place? You know, what was the seed of the idea that caused it to take over the schools in the first place instead of simply taking over the homes? I think that the reason is, is that first off, when you have have schools, you have people who are not in search of a profit. So in the marketplace where most people work, they're out there providing a service in exchange for money. And that service is quantifiable in many cases, whereas when you have teachers, they are. Uh, you know, the, only the state could do this, but teachers have been turned into bureaucrats, and those bureaucrats are there trying to protect their jobs. Of course, I've had you know teachers say socialism isn't that bad. Well, of course, a teacher doesn't believe that. They're working in socialized education. Yeah, they're not going to bite the hand that feeds more often it's than not. It's also the, the I mean, the state gets to hand pick the teachers that work in its schools. So if it has a particular agenda to push, it can just go find the 20 people within driving distance of that school that have that agenda and hire them as teachers. So often while doing no background check whatsoever, yeah. because these are public schools and I've, I've read stories about principals being registered sex offenders, but still being hired. I'm surprised at to, that to be principals at schools hmm. simply because, you know, it's the state and its mechanisms for doing anything are inefficient, flawed and generally useless. Well, nobody's going to suffer for it. You know, nobody's going to be punished right. for it. Uh, you know, that's that's just how it is. And I think you need to have these conversations before you get married. If you aren't having these conversations before you have children, one wonders what you're talking about. I mean, I think you need to have these conversations on the first or second date, but people call me insane for that. I think that's probably too extreme. I had it. I had my I had a summary of my child rearing philosophy strategy whatever you want to call it on my dating site did you get a lot of dates <laughs> i met bob <laughs> i, I okay, think that's then, wonderful then it was I, successful it was Good. successful in, in so much as well, see, you, you met your husband part, part of what i mean the, it did the, it, it yeah. probably weeded out the people who are not uh, serious Which i don't want like why would i want 50 different messages from people who disagree with me on things that are non-negotiable you're right I well i mean generally because people are using these dating sites not to find long-term romantic partners but to find hookups I mean, most of them are not generally yeah. about dating. And this was on a now defunct anarchist dating site. But yeah, I mean, so I'm filtering out people who I, it's not going to work. So why would I talk to you? And then 
people who look at that and it's like, yeah, that sounds good, then they... If I'm going to scare you off by telling you what I want, then I want to scare you off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm, I've, you've changed my mind. Um, I would have said that first you want to determine whether or not you can tolerate the person before you even uh, hit them with the uh, you know things that... But, but you know, this screening method that you had is clearly a good idea. I mean, and it worked. So I was only... I moved to New Hampshire in November of I get the impression I sleep around a lot more than either of you. I, I, I am sure I am one hundred percent positive of that. Both of us are married. You've just been lying, which I'm assuming you're not. Um, I mean, just th- these are not things that enter my head at any point in a relationship. Obviously, because I have no desire. Well, but to if have that's kids. not what you're looking for, right? So yeah, I moved to New Hampshire in November 2015, and I met Bob on July 3rd, 2016. So it didn't. Oh, I mean, so you're coming up on an pretty, anniversary. Yeah, so it was pretty quick. Early congratulations on that. Thank you. If I was just looking for a hookup partner, I would have a whole different set of rules, too. But my wife is really frowns upon hookups for me. So, you know. What a shame. I can make fun of you and your hookups, but I really can't do them on my own. This is Free Talk Live. Tell us whatever's on your mind. 855-450-FREE, as in Free Talk Live. 855-450-3733. Or use the Discord call-in lines, which you can find at discord.freetalklive.com. If you want clearer quality to sound like you're sitting in the studio. with Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the Liberty Movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farm, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in Liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Take control of the airwaves. 855-450-FREE. Is in freedom, 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria. Melanie. And Mark. Mark, do you have anything you wish to share with us? Generally not at the top of the hour. Oh, uh, you are correct, yeah. yeah. Well, let's go straight into it then. We've got uh, Mike who is calling in from Florida. Mike, what is on your mind? You're on Free Talk Live. I think we have lost Mike. All right. Well, it happens. Mike going once, Mike going twice. Just put him on hold, and it may be a uh, you know maybe some sound issue at the uh, the syndicate. Fair enough. Well, we've got uh, Tom calling in from Detroit. Wants to talk about tariffs. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey guys. Well, I would like to discuss this, and I have some thoughts. Okay. Uh, one idea is that the uh, work will come to the U.S. And maybe some of the people that are on welfare might get a job. We haven't produced washing machines, televisions, radios, anything in so long. Maybe it's time to bring it home. Yeah, so that would increase wages in the U.S. But people aren't on welfare because they can't find a job. They're on welfare because they don't want to work enough to sustain themselves or have whatever it is they want to have. So you you are going to just jump right over what I just said? No, here's what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to say... Uh, central planning doesn't work when Democrats do it, and central planning won't work when Republicans do it either. So, 
let me get this right, okay? Again, yep. I am not by any means in favor of government or yes, uh, government control of, of free trade. Yes, you but are. The bottom line is, and you can, you gotta all agree to this: we don't make anything here anymore. The United States, nothing. The United States has manufactures more products than it has ever uh, manufactured in its history. Usually in prisons. Well, but it does it with robots. Name one. Name name what we make. You know what we make, my friend Ian. And this is why my name is Mark, right but now go ahead. I am unemployed and very displeased with it. Okay, because I'm looking for employment that doesn't make bombs or killing machines. Gotcha. I am. Ex- I'm 58 years old. I have been in the workforce for many years. And I am trying with all my heart, with everything in my being, to find a job where I'm not making parts for a killing machine. Well, have you and considered it, Budweiser, Crayola, that, Harley-Davidson, Hershey's Chocolate, Jack Daniels, KitchenAid, or Cast Iron Cookware? Are they all hiring? At, all of which are 10, hired, 50, made in the United States. At, at $10.50 an hour? No. Well, I don't know what they're paying. So you uh, want to be paid more as well. Here in the Northeast, I can tell you that jobs are, you know, they have warehouse jobs right now being advertised on the side of the road for $20 an hour. I, I you know, I, I just live here. I don't work at warehouses. I work at a radio Ian, show. Um, I, I, I laud you. Ian. Mark. Ian, those Mark, that, jobs that, is Mark. that you're looking at, those jobs that you're looking at are, are headhunters, uh, uh, filling your your dreams, okay? okay? No, no. I know people who work for these jobs, and I know what they make. I worked for one over one summer when taxes were like. I know what the wages actually are. And and, and so continue. Well, you're saying that that's not what they are, and I know that they are in this area. I mean, yeah, no, you're not going to get an unskilled labor job making, you know, a, a middle class income at only 40 hours a week. If we had listen tariffs, here, that Missy. might be more realistic. Uh, listen here, Missy. I am in the Detroit area. It is actually a very, very well to do at this point. With Detroit jobs. is. Yep. And what I'm telling you is Detroit is well to do with jobs that have skills. My skills right now are in extreme need. But then you should why. be able to find a job. But, well, but well, if that was true, you would be employed if you wanted to be. Let me finish. Okay, with what's happening right now, with the with with the, 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 with, with everything that's happening right now, everyone's kicking back, sitting back, and saying, "Hmm, if you were in business, if you owned a business, you would be doing the same thing." And now, for me going from going from thirty-one seventy-four an hour. I'm getting offers at twenty dollars, fifteen dollars, eighteen dollars. Yeah, it's a big hit. Uh, I can't so, say anything specifically to your uh, your specific. I can only presume that you are the best person, most qualified to determine what is going on with your life and your employment. I'm not going to speak to that. I will, however, say that central planning doesn't work with Democrats. Do it. And central planning isn't going to work when Republicans do it. Tariffs are a bad idea because you can't artificially inflate the wages of U.S. workers and then artificially inflate the costs of their competition. That's not going to work. Tom, thank you so much for the call. See, my issue is that if we impose these tariffs on washing machines, as an example, in order to bring washing machine production to the United States – 
So we slapped this 25% cost on washing machines, making it more competitive to produce them locally. Okay, but the price of the washing machine just becomes permanently increased at that point. You're just paying 25% more for the same product to be locally made. I mean, and $20 an hour is not like horrible wages for something that requires no skill and a set schedule, probably. like. Don't forget that it's the government that messed with the economy that got it so that the washing machine manufacturers moved out of the country in the first place. Yes, they were the ones who broke it. And I don't know what the reasons are entirely. I'm not an expert in global trade or anything, but I'd say this. There's a real problem with the notion that the washing machines uh, should be made in China as opposed to the United States. Think about how much fuel is uh, used by a tanker that's moving washing machines from, uh, I don't know what the you know closest port that makes washing machines is, but Beijing, I don't know where Beijing is either, but uh, to L.A., and then putting them on trucks and trains and moving them across the United States versus making them in Ciudad Juarez or Tijuana. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people in Mexico on, a, on the other side of the Mexican border that uh, that claim to want jobs. If you, it would seem to me that NAFTA would have uh, set this all up, but somehow, well, wouldn't we? Some end way, up- uh, it makes more financial sense to make stuff in China. And I can only presume that that's the government that made it that way. The United States government. The people that we want to fix this problem. See, I would assume it's wage disparity. And that, you know, the Mexican average cost of labor is simply going to be higher than the so. Chinese one. I don't think so. I, I don't think so anymore. Not, well, I'm not no an means. expert on the subject, so I not, certainly don't know. Not when we're talking about the cost of transportation. Well, I mean, all it has to really do is float on the ocean i mean that's why waterways have historically been such uh utilized passages for commerce it's not floating I mean, it's I, traveling at 25 i know that knots. you can get really cheap shipping from china as long as you're willing to wait for it so if you have like a steady oh i need 20 washing machines a month you just order a month in advance like yeah two months three months in advance. The, the shipping doesn't cost that much i don't know i don't either but uh, it's Seems expensive to me. I mean, I, I just don't like the idea the cost of a lot of things because well, you're not like flying an airplane for every single order like you're filling up a whole boat. So if you divide that by every item. It's not expensive. Well, I mean, there's still something to this and the whole just having to float thing is why, you know, cruise ships are generally frantic to try to fill empty cabins while airplanes really don't care. They'll they'll fly you if there's even only one person. And the difference is because it doesn't really proportionally to weight versus fuel spent. It doesn't cost nearly as much to ship something here via boat I've versus had, airplane. I've had airlines uh, take uh, flights with 20 people, put them all in hotels and wait until tomorrow. Really? Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking it's exactly the opposite. Then maybe I've, that it's cheaper to. I've been on airplanes that were so not filled that they came and rearranged us so that the weight would be distributed in such a way that. It was safer, or the plane wouldn't crash, or whatever. Maybe there was only airline. like twenty people, or something like that. That's nice because you can lift up the arms and all like lay across the uh, the seats. I like that. Yeah, there was well enough for everybody to have like their own whole row, but apparently we're like all in the front, and they were like, "The plane's not going to fly this way, so we all have to move." Huh. Interesting. Well, tariffs, government intervention in the economy—they're certainly not going to answer any questions or solve any problems. If you disagree, tell us what's on your mind. Eight five five four fifty free as in freedom. 
It's 855-450-3733. Or if you want clearer quality, you can do like Bad Slave did and use the Discord call-in lines, which you can find at discord.freetalklive.com or discord.lrn.fm. It's Free Talk Live. Tell us what's on your mind. 855-450-FREE, as in freedom. With you tonight, it's Aria. Melanie. And Mark. Freedom Fest is the largest liberty-oriented gathering in the world. Freedom Fest theme this year is the Wild West. You can come see me in a cowboy outfit. You'll love it. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, It's going to be... Penn Gillette, Lenore Scanese, Candace Owen, John Mackey, Kevin O'Leary, and Kevin Harrington of Shark Tank, Stephen Moore, Grover Norquist, all descending upon the Paris in Las Vegas from July 17th through the 20th. Libertarians, conservatives, liberals, all just open-minded people mangling together to hear real, real debates and share real solutions and converse freely. Go get your tickets now at freedomfest.com slash FTL. FreedomFest.com slash FTL. Use coupon code FTL50 and get a $50 discount. It's going to be a blast. Uh, really going to be a lot of fun. Now, if you don't, you know, somehow or another, you want a, a little more information, go to FreedomFest.com slash FTL and get the five best speeches from last year for free. Judge Napolitano, Alan Dershowitz, Charlie Kirk, Heather McDonald, John Mackey. All available to you for free at freedomfest.com slash FTL. Freedom Fest is, like I said, on July the 17th through the 20th at the Paris in Las Vegas. Freedomfest.com slash FTL. Are you really going to dress as a cowboy? Oh, yes. Uh, I hate I'm going to miss it. I'll I'll have pictures for you. (laughs) Perfect. Let's get back to the phones. We've got Dan calling from Scottsdale. Dan, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi. Um, So I'm having a problem with my wife. Uh, she makes custom hats for a living, you know, okay. like fedoras, baseball caps, and uh, she's always kept me out of it. But the other day, she decides that she's going to use my head as a dildo. Yep, that's enough. A for effort, I suppose. I mean, no, he, there was no effort there. No, and he got immediately dropped and dumped. Yeah, well, he sent a hole for like twenty minutes for that. <laughs> Poor guy. Get y'all a hobby. need, yeah, y'all need something to do. Well, we do have Mike in Florida. I'm not Florida. sure if that word is somehow banned from the FCC by the FCC or anything, but I don't no. want to fight the F- I don't want to fight the FCC about whether or not it's banned. No, but I mean, it was a pointless troll call. So we got Mike who is calling. I think it's the same Mike from Florida who attempted to call earlier. Mike, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, I was just calling about the conversation earlier regarding the matter of um, carrying your ID on you. Down here in Lake County, Florida, just giving a heads up to anybody who might be traveling through, going to the, the attractions or what have you, or something by visiting somebody. In Lake County, it is the law in the whole county that you have to carry your picture ID. It doesn't have to be a driver's license, but it has to be a picture ID that you carry on you at all times. What if you don't have an ID? Well, that's an excellent question. I mean, I appreciate what you what all present there on the radio program and, and on the Internet and stuff, and I agree with a lot of what you all talking about. Um, it's just, you know, they'll definitely harass you. Is it? Um, I carried my driver's license in, in, in my wallet in my glove box and, you know, go in the grocery store or whatever. I'm not going to carry just go in and go to groceries, but I've been re- requested, you know, show your ID. 
Huh. I mean, that is straight out of any sort of totalitarian government playbook. Is it just a county rule? I mean, you know, Lake County couldn't have it's, its own it's rules. Just for, just for Lake County itself proper. It's not in the rest of the state. The, the, those that are yeah, wiser yeah. than us and Tavares just decided that they were going to, uh, you know, come up with a rule, huh? That's, apparently that's the, the history no, of is, it. Is that an official statute or is that something that the cops just kind of made up and enforce? I'm not terribly surprised to hear that the state would go to that length in, in whatever. When I say state, I don't I, I don't mean like the state of Florida. I mean, the state apparatus, okay. the government. Well, the county gets its gotcha. power from the state. Um, I'm surprised to see that Lake County has 350,000 people in it. I, I I thought of this. I mean, to me, this is you said Lake County. I thought rednecks, but um, you know, no, it's a lot, a lot of retirement stuff. Yeah, Claremont, and, and um, wealthier, wealthier people in some some areas. Yeah, it's part of the Orlando yeah. metro. Now, is this because uh, of no, the no, Cuban no, migrants no, no, north of there. Huh. that they? Go, you go know, ahead, I'm sorry. Is this because of the Cuban migrants that they implemented this law and began enforcing it? I don't know actually why why they do it. Um, no, I don't think so. Like you said, I think it's an oppressive thing. It's absolutely oppressive. I mean, it, it's trying to me to find out that you know there is a that there are multiple jurisdictions where if the police ask you for identification, you not only have to stop and actually speak to them, you have to surrender your identifying information to them, like well, like you're trying to escape East Berlin or something. You know what they say about Florida. Come on vacation, leave on probation, return on extradition. <laughs> I didn't know go. they said that about Florida, but they said, uh, it's they said good that about to know. a lot of places, though. So, is is Florida really that bad? I have never been. I I, I couldn't tell you. I mean, it, it, I I don't know. I've lived in Florida and I've lived in New Hampshire, and that's basically where I've lived. Do okay. I feel freer in New Hampshire? I, not really. I mean, you know, Florida, they never seemed to bother me much. There was certainly a larger police presence, but eh, I didn't have too much trouble when I got out of prison. But you well, know, that's a positive. Lots of people in prison said that it was terrible. I don't know. I mean, you can't really listen to convicts and their stories about how oppressive the police state is. I I tend to <laughs> well, not believe the things actually, they say. Actually, I would say that's the, probably the people that you should listen to about how oppressive the police state is. Yeah, I listened to them long enough that I really grew to kind of be uh, bored with the things they said. Really? Yeah. Is it because most of them are like um, arsonists or murderers or rapists or something? It's because most of them have IQs lower than 100. That's the reason. Oh, yeah. yeah that, it's hard that to talk get to frustrating. dumb people on a regular basis. <laughs> That was your primary company. Is these? Yeah. Don't forget. Yeah, that would be the, yeah. that would be the worst part. Aside from not necessarily getting like freedom maintenance. Well, yeah, I think the the things that would scare me most about jail is not being able to have access to like maintenance medical care and to be like surrounded by stupid people, whether that's inmates or guards, or and just not be able to have a conversation for like all these years. Well, I mean, a lot of them may be pretending to be more stupid than they actually are as well. I mean, going back to the sort of that's the reason that in high school it's considered to be bad to be smart. That whole jocular primate barbaric mentality is to be strong, not smart. So it could be possible that a lot of them are smarter than they pretend to be, but they just become accustomed to pretending to be kind of dumb and big and brutish. Uh, perhaps that's the case. I just whatever I found somebody with whom I could converse, I... um 
as opposed to conversating. I, uh, you know, just stuck with that person for a while and just chatted away and, and had a nice time uh, with that. But, you know, a lot it's, of times I had to talk to officers to to get my fix. Oh, that's never good in prison, I hear. That's fine. It's was, also true that the less smart you are, the more likely you are to not be able to hire a good attorney or the more likely you are to get caught whether you did something or not. So I believe that stat. Oh, I, I worked I, in the computer lab and taught people, uh, you know, rudimentary English, uh, so that they could pass their GEDs and kind of live life. And I was stunned at uh, <laughs> what passed for literacy. I mean, that was what passed for literacy stunned me. I mean, you're not wrong, and the Dunning-Kruger effect would tell me that I'm vastly overestimating the average person's intelligence. Oh, yeah. And that they are significantly dumber than I would like to think, and that spending any amount of time with them would make that clear. 855-450-FREE, as in Freedom, 855-450-3733. I'm crazy about My Magic Mud. This is the most important oral care product created this millennium, and I'm not kidding. We all have different opinions on politics and issues, but we all have mouths. And I want yours to be as clean as possible, with teeth as bright as they were meant to be. I will never be without My Magic Mud. It's a little surprising, but man, does it work. If you only listen to one thing I say ever, go to MyMagicMud.com and get 20% off with code FTL. MyMagicMud.com, code FTL. It's Free Talk Live, talk radio you control. Give us a call, 855-450-FREE as in freedom. And with you tonight, it's Aria. Melanie. And Mark. And before we dive back into it, uh, I am going to ForkFest if you happen to be bored within the next week and a half or whatever. I can't do the math on the top of my head. I think it's 10 days. And you can join liberty-minded voluntarists, anarchists, and libertarians this summer from June the 13th until June the 18th for ForkFest 2019 at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. It happens right before the Porcupine Freedom Festival, also known as Fork Fest. Pork Fest. Now, they're Sorry. just called the White Mountains. They're not white during June. <laughs> but it's decentralized, which means that no one is in charge and that there's no ticket cost. Just reserve your camping or RV site or your motel room with Rogers Campground. Now, of course, sim- there's a cost for the site. Obviously. Yeah, but that's not ours. No. You can simply relax and go camping with other Liberty lovers, or you can ha- create whatever experience you'd like to have. I believe there's uh, Jay Noon, who hosts Free Talk Live, I think, on Thursday nights, is going to be doing a sort of band camp there. Uh, there was a chess tournament there last year that didn't get a lot of attendees, but still happened. A lot of cool stuff happens because it's all just, hey, I feel like doing this thing. Let's do this thing. Why not? You can connect with other Forkfesters via the unofficial Telegram chat or the Forkfest forum because all of it is unofficial. Links to those are on the unofficial website, forkfest.party. Once more, that's forkfest.party. It's going to be an awesome event, and I look forward to it. Let's get back to the phones. We've got David calling in from New Mexico. David, what is on your mind? You're on Free Talk Live. Oh, several things. Hey, Mark, did you dust off your old outfit from your uh, village people days? Well, I, I'm I'm wearing my Thanos uh, Thanos uh, sweatshirt today. I I don't know what uh, village, which village. Oh, I no, see. I mean, uh, you said I was going to be a cowboy. cowboy out, gotcha. Your, cow, your cowboy outfit for the wild, wild, wild west. 
You know, I was the construction worker when I uh, did uh, the YMCA. Oh, I swear that was you wearing the the, the chaps with no pants. <laughs> that may have been me. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, wrong party. Sorry, I might. My, I was uh, my my memory's bad. I was doing too much stuff back then. That's, That's a problem we all know well. Yeah, yeah. That I'm getting good at identifying your trolls. I before before the guy even said a word, I, I was guessing it was going to be a troll coming out of Scottsdale. I figured that's what it was going to be. And then when he said his when he said his first word, I don't even remember what it was, but just the the voice alone, I, I was waiting for it. And sure enough, if somebody's calling us for marital help. I, I mean, they're probably confused. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good sign. Um, I know that people do call shows to do that, but it I don't know that we're qualified. Well, I don't know that anybody's qualified, but uh, you got a problem with your wife, I suppose you can call in at 855-450-3733. But, um, you know, this... Uh, this this joke, this this she's a hat maker thing, just really was a setup. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we were ready for it. Mm-hmm. And luckily, we got on, it before on, anything really happened. All right. On, on your airline deal, I remember when I was flying for the airlines, that they, they would uh, they would do whatever was most cost effective if they had to buy somebody out. You know, give them a free round trip or two to make to to ask them to wait for the next flight. Uh, they would do that. You know, whatever whatever was uh, costing them less, spending the fuel and and uh, the hours on the airplane to fly the trip or buying out the whatever few passengers they had. They would do whatever was most cost effective. They sure will. They'll still do that. They yeah. they're doing yeah. calculations I, all the time. I I do remember uh, having the luxury of uh, uh, riding across the Atlantic on a wide body, having like you said an entire row across the Atlantic to lay down. Matter of fact, there were multiple rows. I could have I could have uh, slept half the night on one row and then moved to several others. And there was I don't know if there was uh, probably uh, I don't know like a hundred people on the airplane one time. That was, that was pretty cool. I was anyway, uh, taking the, a uh, flight back from Tokyo very recently here, uh, um, you know, with, whether I wanted to or not. Minus, and Minus your maple syrup? Minus my maple syrup. This, 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 this bastard took my maple syrup. Um, and I, the plane had, that we were, like, there's United, and they have several different, like the economy, the economy plus, and then they have another one, and then they have uh, first class, and I don't know what they're all broken out into, but we were kind of full from... I was de- I was in the economy plus, but everything from there on back was kind of full. You know, there were enough of them. But the section that was in between first class and economy plus, whatever that's called, um, you know, something between, I don't know, second class. It's not first class. <laughs> but second class was basically empty, but they wouldn't let any of us go up in there because we hadn't paid the the money. So, um, of you know, course, this is weird. Yeah. Huh. Usually, usually they let in my day, they would let. Uh Many people they they actually used it as a perk. You know, if they had the unsold space in a in a more luxurious seating, they would give it up because it made their customers happy. I don't know why they wouldn't do it nowadays. Well, because yeah. that but, encourages you to not buy it in hopes that it might be there for free. Yeah, true, true. Which is the um. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, which is part of why they stopped doing the last minute discounts. To where if they had okay. some seats left. They would do some pretty heavy discounts, but they quit doing that because then everybody just waited until the last minute to buy a ticket. Got it. Yeah, I understood. The, um, the what I was calling about was um, uh, the the latest. This has actually been going on for two years. You know, the, like under under the category of uh, the that New Mexico judge that I was describing to you, embezzling money from the dead guy, and then 
the uh, the head of the FBI in New Mexico is stating that New Mexico is the most corrupt state in the nation. Um, here's a fun one. For the last two years, I, I've been I've been uh, letting uh, a local retailer steal from me, so that I could I would have enough proof to take it to, to the appropriate places to hopefully put him in jail, or at least get him on probation. And uh, I, I had uh, previously made a report to the FBI, and they directed me to Department of Agriculture because these these people I, I I'm I'm on assistance, not because I'm using your welfare, but because I sued the people of the of the U.S. and the state of New Mexico for the benefit when they destroyed my life by trafficking my children. They, they did some damage and they incurred some debt, and I, and I made sure to enforce my rights, and I collected on that debt. And uh, so uh, I'm using uh, SNAP, EBT, food stamps, and uh, some other benefits. But like I said, I, the, I, I Get them for I all you can get them, as far, far as I'm concerned. Yeah, if you're getting your own yeah, money yeah. back, I don't care. Right, but well, my, uh, even if I wasn't getting my own my own money back, what I'm saying is, I was damaged by the citizens of this country not reigning in their government as I would do if if there were more of me. Um, but the, the people as they are did not uh, reign in their government, and their government damaged me, and I sued for the damage, and now I'm collecting on it. And so, uh, since I'm talking about uh, you know what are traditionally viewed as welfare benefits, that's that's the uh, how I ended up here. That's um, how you view it. And uh, pardon? That's how you view it. Yes. Well, that's how that's that's how it is. It's not even how I view it. Well, uh, the the people you, you can't of sue country, somebody for assist, assistance, right? No, you can. You you have to fight. I'm not I'm not suing. This is what I'm on. Uh, I'm, I did I didn't get welfare just because I'm poor. I I got welfare because. The, the you, the people of the United States, let your government damage me. And I and I fought back. This is literally true you. of everyone on welfare. They were all damaged no, by the inflationary policies well, and debt creation yeah, policies. True. But you're steering you're steering away from the point I'm making. And that is that uh, let me let me super simplify it. Um, you, the people through your government. Uh, ran me over or punched me or knifed me or something wrongfully. And I, and I fought back legally and sued you for the damage you're done. And now I'm collecting on it. So it's not, it's not the same thing. Anyway, that's not my, that's not my point. I only mentioned that. Okay, go ahead. Make your point. It's not what I called about. It's not what I called about. I'm, I'm simply explaining myself so that so that uh, I'm trying to retain my dignity. I'm not using your welfare benefits because I'm too lazy to work. I'm using them because I sued for them because you damaged me. That's the difference. So, and- well, thank you for the call, David. Um, I mean, everyone has their reasons. They vary significantly from one person to the next. But I would certainly say we've all been damaged by government. You might disagree. You might love the government. Give us a call and let us know. 855-450-3733-855-450. Free as in Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. If you're quick, you can still get on the air. Give us a call at 855-450-3733. Again, that's 855-450-FREE as in Free Talk Live. With you tonight, it's Aria. Melanie. And Mark. And we initially, before we got into the rabbit holes, we're trying to get into this story coming up to us from Australia, where evidently they want to make it illegal 
or some person wants to make it illegal to Discourage. be a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. And we didn't get too deeply into that because it, it, it actually gets um, a bit worse in her little... The only person here who it seems to be is hysterical is the author of this ride. Right. She's author. pointing the fingers. Everybody's hysterical. Except me, I'm going to make a reasoned case why you shouldn't be able to raise your children. Yeah, I mean, she's all worried about the economy and how it's being impacted and things like that by stay-at-home moms. Oh, no, they're not out there buying new televisions and buying gasoline and all of these other things that make Australia great again. And now the economy is suffering for it. To me, that's it may not necessarily be hysterical depending on how emotionally wound up they are. But it's certainly not a rational and logical position for a person to take. It's not. And even if you understand economics whatsoever, it's not unless you just really love corporations to the exclusion of all other all other entities, to the exclusion of all people. Now, her position is what exactly? Have you gotten that far into the article? Yeah. So she basically says that it's better for the economy because they're talking about the, you know, lack of female workforce participation rates which is kind of an irrelevant factor and not like a goal in and of itself unless you're insane well there's a certain segment of uh, feminism out there that thinks that the most important thing a woman can do is have a job now i don't understand that because they don't seem to think that that about men necessarily and I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the most important thing you can do is pursue what you want to pursue in life. And if what you want to pursue in life is a family, probably the best way to do that, I think almost inarguably the best way to do that is to, um, you know, somebody, for somebody to stay at home and raise them. Now, it doesn't have to be the man. It's just traditionally been uh, excuse me, it doesn't have to be the woman that stays home. It's just traditionally the man goes out there and, you know, makes the money and brings things home. That's not necessarily how a p- particular family might operate in modern society. But, but if you have one of each as a parent, then nature kind of has an opinion on which one that should be. Because yes. it's kind of going to force the woman to do some of the main child care. Yeah, she has to stay for home. For at least nine months for each kid. Right. She's going to have to stay home for some period of time because of, um, you know, nursing and just re- recuperation and these kind of things. I mean, not every woman nurses. Uh, many do. And um, pe- more are doing it every day. And I think that's great uh, because simply because I think it's better. That's what those things are for. You know, let's use them for what God meant them to be. And if you're a feminist who believes in the wage gap, why wouldn't you have the person who's just going to make more money for no reason be the one that goes out and works? Oh, if, there's if an excerpt in this article I think we really have to get okay, into. Okay, which one? Rather than well about the supposed liberation in a woman's right to choose to shun paid employment, we should make it a legal requirement that all parents of children of school age or older are gainfully employed. Wow. So for all of her talk about liberation, she wants to pass laws forcing all parents to be gainfully employed. And that in and of itself does not create great working conditions, even if you ignore all the other problems with it. There are segments of the population that are legally required to be gainfully employed. They're called some immigrants and people on probation. Yeah. They can't quit and their employers know it. What do you think that does to their wages and working conditions? Makes them worse. 
Well, there's some dads that have to be uh, gainfully employed, too. They don't have to be at the particular place. Many, In many cases, immigrants, um, I think the reason that their conditions tend to be worse is because they have to work at the place that they work at. They can't switch jobs. Whereas, uh, yeah, Depending on what kind of visa you have, yeah, that can be true, too. Yeah. So I guess it's, it's, it's probably more in line with probation. But yeah, so your boss knows, unless you can get a, a new job today or tomorrow... Which is why it's important to acquire skills that make you employable rather than being, as the caller earlier suggested, just an unskilled laborer. Those are a dime a dozen. You can import 50 people in from Mexico who will do that job for three bucks an hour. Well, yeah. And even 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 if you have skills and even if you have skills that are actually in high demand, then you're not necessarily going to be able to get a job literally the next day. It might take a week or something to yeah, but if your skills are actually there, they are in high demand, then you will be making enough money where you don't absolutely right, have to have one. But if it's a legal requirement, that's a whole different story. So yeah, you're going to have yeah. at least a week's worth of savings, so you'll be fine. But if the government of Australia says it is a crime to not have a job, I mean, I don't know what the detail, I, there's not a bill that they're putting up, so maybe there's going to be some details to that, but maybe you don't have a week to... Maybe there are no job openings. Yeah. What what do you do in that event? What if you're 17 years old, you just turned 18, suddenly it's a legal requirement for you to have a job, but there are no jobs in your town at all. And I realize that's extremely unlikely. This is the weird part about it. She doesn't want to make it a legal requirement for all able-bodied adults. She wants it to make a legal requirement for all parents of school-age or older children. You're correct. So it's just crazy. I guess you could be a bum and be 18 and that's fine. Have but a if, kid, if you have hand. a kid and have something to actually do all day, then because we, we don't really care if you work, right? They just care if they can get your kid. You that's, mean the state? The state, yeah. Well, this, that's what this uh, lunatic statist wants. This is uh, this authoritarian is looking to, you know, pretend as though the economy is their concern or women's liberation or women working or whatever. But really what she wants is every kid in school so that we can indoctrinate them from pre-K on up to their bachelor's degree, which everybody should have, even if it's in uh, underwater basket weaving. Well, she would disagree. She says that only when the female half of the population is expected to hold down a job and earn money to pay the bills in the same way that men are routinely expected to do so, only then will we see changes for the better for either gender so she has it warped in her head that she can somehow liberate people or is she some kind of equality by legislating and requiring everyone including the women who have children and want to stay at home and take care of their children which is their prerogative to do this thing that she wants them to do because it's definitely more efficient to everybody try to do both things than for one person to do one thing and the other person to do the other thing so i can't just go to work and then have somebody else worry about appointments at school and doctor's visits and everything else. We have to both do both so that there's just nothing but chaos. Fair point. I mean, yeah, it's ideally there are at least two parents in a household and not one parent. But what Melanie's saying is, is that if um, like, for instance, my wife is the one who's concerned with the doctor's appointments. If Jack had to rely on me for doctor's appointments, he'd never go to one because I would I would forget. And I don't know them in the first place. I don't set them. I don't consider it my problem. It is not my 
problem. If she get, if if she missed an appointment and she comes to me like, Mark, why didn't you say something about Jack's doctor's appointment? Like that's your job. I would my jaw would flap at her. I'd be like. <laughs> What? I can't believe you're even suggesting this. Yeah, so the, the not my problem. Yeah, it's division of labor, not just the economic concept of division of labor, but just the efficiency in your life concept of division of labor. Fair point. Well, she seems to think that as long as we cling to the lie that only a stay-at-home mom is best placed to assume the responsibilities of caregiver then working fathers will continue to feel insecure about stepping off the corporate treadmill to spend more time with their children. So she seems to want to alleviate not just the economic hardships caused by these women who dare to not work, but the hardships it places on the fathers, which may or may not be founded, I don't know, requiring them to work more hours to make up the difference by just having one income. If, um, well, yeah, I mean, I would happily do that. If we're talking about having to deal with uh, kids, which not my desire to do, I would rather work, you know, you know what, honey, we need some more money. Fine. I'll go out and get a second job because I don't want to deal with that stuff. I would rather her stay home and do those sorts of things. I don't have any interest in Well, them. what about the fathers who want to do those sorts of things, but feel like they can't because they instead have to be out there working? Just Why do they, they need this lady to pass a law so that they can't uh, they can't handle their wife? Yeah. So the. the but it, yeah, so they're passing a law. Probably not. So they have to work too much. So you want to pass a law to increase the, the supply of labor. Yeah. That is counterproductive if that's your actual goal. Well, I think the whole thing is counterproductive. I don't think she really knows what her goal is or she's being she's extremely mad. clever. She's yeah. mad. She's upset. <laughs> this has been Free Talk Live. Same time tomorrow night. Be sure to check back. www.freetalklive.com. All right, it's another edition of the Edgington Post Show. I am Mark Edge, and this is another interview for Free Talk Live. And I've got with me today Joanne Skousen, who is the wife of Mark Skousen, whom we interviewed on Free Talk Live probably three weeks to a month ago. Joanne, you there? Yes, I am. Thanks for having me, Mark. And we're going to talk about your passion today, which is the Anthem Film Festival, which goes on in conjunction with Freedom Fest. That's right. I started Anthem about 10 years ago because I wanted to create a venue for libertarian filmmakers or any filmmakers who are passionate about individuality, accountability, self-reliance, um, films that really celebrate the individual and observe the problems that happen when governments become too entangled in our personal lives. So I started out 10 years ago with uh, a handful of films, a handful of, of attendees, and it has grown and grown until I'm, I'm just really proud of, of what we've accomplished with this film festival and with the films that, that are starting to be generated because there is a place that you can take your non-Hollywood film and, and have it screened in front of hundreds of people. Can you tell me some of the things, that, some of the films that are going to be being shown this year? Oh, sure. You know, I, I, I'll tell you the one, the grouping that I'm, I'm most surprised by and, and most proud of is a grouping of Iranian films. All of a sudden this year, I started getting emails from filmmakers in Iran who um, would, would tell me over and over again, I, I, want to, I want to submit my film to your festival, but um, they can't get their money out. They can't send money. They can't. Uh, so I always have to give them a fee waiver 
which I'm happy to do. I think they found me because last year I had an Iranian film that won an award. I see. And somehow that got out. Um, and I just have these wonderful Iranian films that I'm going to be showing. And are these people who are, you know, like pining for more freedom in their lives? I mean, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. um, I probably received 30 or 40 from Iran and I'm I'm screening four of them. They're they're all short narratives um, and and they're very evocative. The quality of the filmmaking is amazing. Um, But they talk about the, the unintended consequences or the personal consequences, the individual consequences of a war that goes on and on and on. And uh, they're very moving, extremely well done. So I'm really proud of that of that aspect of the festival. And the fact that they're basically smuggling their stories out of Iran yeah. through the satellite up in the air. That is an amazing um, aspect of all this. Um, and look at what technology has given us, the opportunity for you know, somebody to speak that would have ne- whose voices would have never been heard previously. Exactly. So I'm really proud of those. And I have some documentaries that are... Um, Really hard hitting. There's one called the Creepy Line. Uh, it it tells the story of Google and how it got started and the surveillance. It, the the title um, comes from a quote. Um, sorry, the, the, it comes from a quote from from the CEO of Google where he said the Google policy on a lot of things is to get right up to the creepy line and not cross. <laughs> So it's not about about creepiness like pedophilia or something. It's about the creepiness of inviting um, Google into your house, inviting Alexa into your house and and how they use that. And and it can be good. You know, I I love getting uh, ads that are are targeted at me when I'm I'm actually looking for something. But it's also kind of creepy that uh, that they know what I'm looking at. So and then have a wonderful panel afterwards with. Uh, to talk about uh, the creepy line, the, the, the invasion of, of uh, Internet surveillance. And that's one of the things we do at Anthem. We include um, panels that we, that we call from Freedom Fest, and we bring these experts over, and we have panels after our screenings to talk about the topics. Yeah. Another one, the fight, the fight of our lives, defeating the ideological war against the West. And it talks about how quickly we are giving up our foundational culture uh, in the name of, of um, diversity and, and fairness and so forth, tolerance, and, and that we, we, could, uh, we could lose it in, in, in just a very few years. Yeah, I'm always curious about the the different ideas that uh, that these filmmakers have, and they have so few ways of getting themselves heard. There's uh, there's these feeder mechanisms for us to uh, consume uh, media, and if it doesn't get it get through the filter on that feeder mechanism, it gets much more difficult for a filmmaker to make it through. Exactly. Yeah, and so they have a lot of control over what we can. What we can see, and that's one reason I started this festival, because I wanted to provide an alternative uh, so that so that these other voices could be heard and another side. Now, of course, we have an audience that's already you know open to that, but our hope is that, and this has happened actually, where when, you're, when your film is accepted into a festival, and especially if it wins an award of some sort, then the next festival programmer who is considering it sees that another festival thought it was good enough not only to present but to give an award to so yeah. they're more likely to screen it so in that way 
there's a ripple effect and they start being these ideas about liberty are seen in more and more festivals. Yeah, and I didn't um, agree by any stretch of the imagination with every film that I saw at Anthem Film Festival, and why would I? Um, they're not my films. I didn't make them. But what I did really like was the opportunity to see all these people's voices, and I didn't, I wasn't bored, and I think that's <laughs> probably the most important thing when you're consuming media is, is that at the very least you're entertained. Yes, that's true. And, and you know, we do give an alternative. My husband, of course, loves the speakers and the panels and the debates that he, he puts on at Freedom Fest. He always says to me, I can't understand why anyone would choose to go to a movie instead of listening to these speakers live. But, you know, there's something wonderful about film. Um, you make a connection. There's an emotional connection with the characters on the film. There's an emotional arc, even if it's a documentary rather than a fictional story. The editing creates an emotional arc, and you get sucked in. You get you get this passionate feeling for what you're watching on the screen, and um, and I think film can be much more effective, much more powerful than a speech or a lecture. When it comes to the debates, um, you know, you're, I, I agree completely with your husband. I'm never um, choosing the uh, films over the debates because <laughs> I always want to see these guys going at it. Um, and you know, that's, that's my preference and no doubt there are people that choose to do the, the other, uh, the alternative. And that's the thing about Freedom Fest is there's gotta be about four different things to do at any given time. And then of course the fifth is hang out in the hallways and talk to the people (laughs) who are, you know, going through the vendor area and all that stuff. It's all about choice, and we give you so many choices. I agree. And, and I like to go back and forth too. I agree the debates. I mean, that, that debate uh, with Jeff Tucker about uh, about Trump two years ago it was it was incredible it was so fiery who would want to miss that so um, there are a few times when I don't screen films and it's during our keynote speakers the mock trial those kinds of, of uh, events we don't have any films running so that we don't have to make that choice I would hate to put a filmmaker up against our William Shatner right. and and hope that some people show up. So I do program it with that in mind. This year's keynote is Penn Jillette, who I think is going to bring the house down. He he's certainly a you know very entertaining guy. In so much as uh, people pay a great deal for the tickets just to go see him for a few hours, and I think it's going to be a, a great event. Joanne, I'm kind of curious. I know that you and Mark have been doing Freedom Fest. Are we over ten years now? Right. Yes. The very first one was actually Fee Fest. It was when Mark was president of the Foundation for Economic Education. And so we did a big national convention for Fee. And then um, and then we did it in association with Young Americas for Freedom for about three years. And then we just decided to take it back, do it ourselves, make it a for-profit rather than a non-profit event. Um, and so we've been doing that since 2007. So this is such a big festival. This is the largest uh, liberty-oriented festival in the world. And there are people from around the world that come to the event. I'm curious, is this a full-time job? Um, I mean, you, in, in, in like the full year round, do you take like... We work on it year round. It's full-time. We have um, three full-time employees, a couple of part-time employees, and then Mark and I... Uh, but we have other things we do. Mark writes his financial newsletter, investment newsletter. We bo- both teach um, in college. And so we have a lot of other things going on. But we do have three full-time employees and some part-time employees who, who, help, us, who help us with putting it together. 
Now, and it takes place July 17th to the 20th at Paris Resort. Um, and uh, you can buy tickets at freedomfest.com or you can go to anthemfilmfestival.com because we actually have a film lovers pass. Uh, if people just want to watch movies for four days and, and we have the panels, we have about a dozen panels that have Freedom Fest speakers, they can do that for 195 bucks. It's a real bargain. It, that that includes, I presume, the vendor area because you have to pass through the yeah. vendor area to get to the well, yeah, so the last go around. You get you get the the opening cocktail reception, the exhibit hall area, and then all the film events, which include about a dozen panels that that have the the regular speakers. So for people who just want to watch movies, it's a great bargain. Or if you want to bring someone with you, maybe you want to introduce your your child or your grandchild to film or to the ideas of liberty, but you know they're going to be bored in the lectures. You just, I have a lot of teenagers who just hang out in the film festival all the time and they're, they're being introduced to the films. We have this great grouping of satires this year um, where they're funny, they're fun, but they make the point about liberty. So that's going to be a great grouping of films as well. Do the um, do, do the pe- people who pay for the regular Freedom Fest ticket get the Anthem Film Festival included? Yes, Anthem is included for the Freedom Fest ticket. So, so and, and you know that's what we recommend, of course, is that they they do the Freedom Fest ticket, and then um, and then that includes all of the the Anthem films and panels, and then the Film Lovers Pass is just for the films. So, but if you have a Freedom Fest ticket, you're in. To the film festival. I love it, um, the event. I really enjoy it, and I recommend people go to freedomfest.com slash FTL and get your tickets there. If you uh, just want to check out and see what it's like, we have the top five speeches from last year available at freedomfest.com slash FTL. I'm not sure whether you can hunt that down on the Freedom Fest website elsewhere, but I know that it's very easy to find it right there. Uh, before you sign up at freedomfest.com slash FTL. Joanne, thank you so much for your taking some time with me. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to seeing you there.